on the Wake of Great Represents, this center, with your host, DC Radical One. Greetings, Black family, and welcome to On the Wake Up Radio. I am your host, DC Radical One, and you have entered the center. Shout out to our wonderful producer, Cindy Ashby. You can check us out on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio at On the Wake Up Radio. Also, you can check uh, out OTW2, which is a Black-owned social media platform owned by our wonderful producer, Sydney Ashby. And you can check me out there. I have an account there on OTW2, and I have uh, content there. I uh, recently updated my page and put a couple of videos up, and we'll have a couple of more videos up there this week also um stay tuned to this channel we're gonna have content up mm, probably probably every day this week i have a couple of videos that are already uploaded just waiting to premiere uh one will premiere monday night the other will premiere tuesday morning and we'll have another one that will premiere wednesday um and then i have a couple of more that i have to record um so there'll be plenty in the queue trying to get this up and running like a regular youtube channel and you know regular youtube channels people depending on the person and i guess depending on how successful their channel is um they will at least post every day some people live stream every day i had thought about that um I thought that would get a little tedious, but it's still a possibility because I actually have a liquid fast coming up um, towards the end of this month going into the convention. So uh, I may have more time on my hands, so you may see me just come on for an hour a day, depending on what's going on in the world and things like that. If it, if it seems viable, if it seems like something that people are into, I'll do it. It'll probably be during the day around lunchtime. So I'll let you all know that um let me see who's checked in already bb Fodier, you got ripped off who says happy straight black pride month and this is straight black pride month part one because uh straight black pride month part two is also uh part of black also coincides with black august so uh happy straight black pride month everybody uh bb Fodier, straight black pride this is the vanessa uh peace of black power straight black pride the brother patrick and be before they straight black pride to brother elijah and that seems to be everybody that is here thus far and uh of course i want to make a quick announcement uh, most people who are here know but those who may listen later may not know but the seventh annual straight black pride convention and it's hard for me to believe that this is the seventh annual convention, to be completely honest. The seventh annual Straight Black Pride convention will be Saturday, August 21st, 2021, from 2 p.m. until, and it, the theme of this year's event is the return of the Black man. 
and we will feature um, a powerhouse lineup. Uh, Michael Gray's, uh, Baba Alatunji, Wamba, Brother Lewis Ali, and last but certainly not least, the powerful Brother Darren Muhammad. So these four uh, giants of our community will each be giving presentations during approximately an hour. Uh, it'll be hosted by someone I know very well, someone you all are familiar with, and of course, Brother Jenny will be there as well, and I'm sure he will uh, be giving a little bit of insight and input into the event as well. So again, that is Saturday, August 21st, 2021 at um, what was formerly known as Everlasting Life Cafe, now E-Life Plant-Based Soul Food Restaurant, uh, same location, 9185. Um, Central Avenue, Capitol Heights, Maryland, 20743. For more information, you can email unity at straightblackpride.com. Uh, also, there's a number, 202-641-1766. Tickets are $25 in advance via Eventbrite, $35 at the door. And again, that powerhouse lineup is featuring Brother Michael Graves, who has... Um, Who's oh, okay? Wait a minute now. Hold on. I got okay. I got the information on what it could be speaking about from Dr. Ben and Dr. Clark to Dr. Khaled, modern NYC activism, Baba Olatunji Mawamba, an African centered response to the LGBTQ organizations and their agenda. Uh, Brother Louis Ali will be speaking about resurrecting Black Wall Street. And Brother Darren Muhammad will be speaking about the times and what must be done. So I just actually realized that, and I had to fly for a while, but I didn't realize that each subject matter uh, was already on the flyer. So if you want to know, you're like, what are they going to be talking about? But there you go. Uh, let's see. We've got some more people who've come in. Uh, greetings to Unique One Express. Peace of Brother Daoud. What up, the, uh, Lord Bell? And so, um, and also, uh, let me see if I can find this real quick. During the month of August, we will be doing some Straight Black Pride. We'll be having weekly classes, which will basically take the place of, for those who remember the Chopping, up, chopping It Up sessions that were at Everlasting Life, uh, these will kind of be taking the place of those um, Brother Janie will do one a week. We'll have other brothers come in talk about different subject matters. I will be doing one in August. And so that will be the Monday. I'll be doing one the day after the weekend convention. So that Monday. And when I, I have the flyer here, but I will post a flyer on my Instagram. And brother, you got ripped off. Remind me to put the link I actually don't even have that in right link, but remind me to put the link um, for the convention in the description of this when I am done. So that is all the announcements. And what we're going to get into today, man, we're going to talk about Haiti. As we know, the um, president of Haiti was assassinated recently in a brazen attack, which should be shocking, but not surprising. 
Um, the surprising part to me was from everything I had heard from the West and even from some Haitians. I had not heard a lot of positive things about uh, the brother. Uh, of course, he was called dictator and said he was consolidating power. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. Haiti's been destabilized for a long time. So as I started to look into it and try to learn what was going on, because to be completely honest, I had been so I had been had I had one eye on it. But, you know, it's so much stuff going on. It's the, um, the COVID and um, what's going on in Africa and what's going on here and police violence, the homophile assault. I mean, you name it, right? So, so it's so much stuff going on. So sometimes I have to like unplug and move away from the information just to try to get some enjoyment out of like being completely honest. You know what I'm saying? Like you get inundated, so much stuff is happening, you can get overwhelmed. And so I said, you know what, let me move back. So this was one of the things that got sacrificed. What was actually going on in Haiti just was just one of those things that was. I would see bits of information. I would look at it. Oh, wow, that's crazy. And it would float on by. Then this happens, and I'm like, okay, now I got to at least try to look into it and see what's going on. So what I decided to do, instead of just trying to figure out this thing, I said, you know what? Let me take it back. And let me, by the way, am I clear? And is there noise in the background or anything? Y'all let me know because um, I had some neighbors that were, out um and they were making noise or whatever i don't know what was going on so i just had to make sure that sound wasn't filtering through close up all the windows and everything like that so y'all let me know if you hear anything and i see lord bell say traveling this month just to get away because brother i need to do that so bad but i got so much stuff going on that unfortunately i'm not gonna be able to do anything till after the convention um you know hopefully i can maintain my sanity in the, in the meantime uh greetings to Shakur uh to brother Shakur um so like I said the Haitian thing kind of just went on the black burn back burn then the assassination happened I'm like whoa hold up what's going on because my understanding was that he basically was backed by the West so when he got assassinated I'm like wait hold up What's going on? So I said, all right, I'm not going to be able to, in the in these next three days, unravel this whole thing. I, I'm just not knowledgeable enough about the subject. But I said, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at the history of it, the history of Haiti and the importance of Haiti to Black people. And then maybe looking at the history, we can collectively lead ourselves in a direction of what we think can happen because we're not going to um, unravel this entire mystery in these two hours. But what we can do is educate ourselves and we can see some things that are going on, right? So that's what we're going to do today. So I got a lot of clips. Um, I got articles. I had to actually bring coffee and water for this one because this is going to be a long two hours right and so when we start talking about haiti we have to start at the foundation which of course it of course is the haitian revolution now the haitian revolution is probably 
the most significant event in the last, I'll say, 250, 300 years for Black people in the West. Because, of course, the most significant event is us being, you know, brought over here and some of the people being here being colonized or slaughtered and all, all of that. We know that's the most significant thing. Wasn't no way, folks. Everybody be chilling, playing this up. No one's debating that. The second most significant event is the Haitian Revolution. And when you understand that part, right, then it lets you know why, when you look at the rest of Haiti's history, why it is the way it is, why you have so much government corruption, why you have so much instability, why you have coups, assassinations, why you have, why the economy's bad, why the people are poor, like all of that, the root of it is the Haitian Revolution. And of course, what we're talking about here is a nation born from Black revolution. Like, we don't look at it that way, right? We don't say it enough. And I know uh, a lot of people have seen uh, the uh, 1804 documentary, which I'll get credit where it's due. Excellent documentary. If you haven't seen that, check it out. It'll give you the whole um, very good history from our perspective on the revolution itself, right? So what I'm going to do, I'm going to play a couple of clips. The first clip is just going to give a quick three-minute history of the Haitian Revolution. Now, of course, you can't cover the entire history of it in three minutes, obviously. But there was, um, what it is is that someone had put together on YouTube three three-minute clips, which are actually like five minutes, but whatever. Um, on the whole, whole situation. So before the actual revolution, the what we consider the revolution, and then afterwards, right? So I took one of those clips, greetings to Sister Poetry. I took one of those clips because I didn't want to inundate y'all with the whole history when in reality, if I wanted to do that, tell you go see 1804. That's what I tell you to do. And then this will lay the foundation for... Um, this will lay the foundation for where we move forward. Uh, greetings to Big Heart. Have not seen you before. Uh, greetings to you, brother or sister. Um, and Brother Patrick says, Haitian Revolution, most successful slave revolution ever. Indeed. Um, and so we're going to watch this clip. And then we're going to watch another clip right after it, which will deal with the significance of it. And then we'll go forward from there. In 1791, the slaves of French Saint-Domingue, modern-day Haiti, rose up and forced the French colonial authorities to abolish slavery. But over the next 10 years, the country was thrown into a state of chaos as the British invaded and the local groups fought one another. However, by 1801, the leader of the freed slaves, Toussaint Louverture, had managed to take control over the colony. He then defied Napoleon, who had recently came to power in France, and invaded the Spanish half of the island and created a new constitution. In this, he undermined the French rights on the island and made himself governor for life, 
but he did not declare independence. This however came at a time when Napoleon had just defeated the Austrians and the British also began to consider peace. So Napoleon's ships could now move more or less unchallenged by the British Navy across the Atlantic. So Napoleon appointed his brother-in-law Charles Leclerc as head of the 30,000 man army to reassert French control in Saint-Domingue. This army included Pétion and Rigaud, two mixed race generals that Louverture had forced to flee from the island a couple years beforehand. And it also included troops from across Europe, in particular there were many Polish people. They arrived in the Caribbean in December 1801 and stationed themselves outside most major towns and ports on the island. L'Overture allowed the French to meet with him but threatened if a landing took place they'd massacre the white population there. Nevertheless, in February 1802 a French unit still landed near Cap Francois, so L'Overture's general Henri Christophe massacred the whites in the town and set it on fire. But the French had all but encircled the island and continued to land at Port-au-Prince, Fort Dauphin, Leogan and Santo Domingo. L'Overture retreated into the mountains and forests and his other general, Desailles, ordered similar massacres to be carried out in towns across the island. They were pursued continuously by the French who continued to seize their supplies and ammunition. So Desailles decided to surrender to the French in exchange for lenient punishment and this in turn encouraged L'Overture to also surrender. L'Overture was put under house arrest as the French tried to restore order on the island, but like with the British beforehand, many began to die of yellow fever. So now in a weaker position, Leclerc saw L'Overture as a potential threat again and sent him to France in mid-1802 where he died in prison a year later. But the French position got a lot worse. Napoleon re-established slavery in French colonies like Guadeloupe and Martinique, so fearing slavery would return to Saint-Domingue, many including Christophe Desailles and even Petion defected. Leclerc responded by executing anyone suspected of helping the rebel leaders and even advocated for killing a large chunk of the black population, encouraging more to defect. But Desailles also continued to carry out massacres. For instance, after one victory, he killed hundreds of Polish troops. So Leclerc, in retaliation, executed a thousand black colonial troops by throwing them off ships. But Leclerc died of yellow fever in November and was replaced by Rochambeau, who conducted even more brutal attacks. For instance, he imported dogs to track down and kill many non-white people. So the mixed race people and black people who had fought for years decided to unite to fight against the dwindling French army and started to push them back to Cap Francois in 1803. Meanwhile, the war in Europe erupted again and the British blockaded French ports, preventing the French from resupplying. So throughout the year, Desailles was able to win a series of victories, with the crucial one coming at Vertieres in November. The 7,000 French troops that had survived the expedition withdrew, but they still maintained a small garrison on the Spanish half of the island. But Napoleon had largely given up any aspirations in the Americas, as he also sold Louisiana to the Americans the same year. So Desailles was free to take control and made himself emperor of the new nation of Haiti. And once in control, he ordered that all surviving whites in the nation be massacred. However, he failed to take the east of the island from the small French garrison, lost the support of his generals and was assassinated in 1806. So, Pétion and Christophe then divided the nation between themselves. Christophe took the north to form a kingdom, while Pétion formed a republic in the south which had more mixed-race people. Christophe was able to make the north wealthy again by trading with the British and forcing people back onto the plantations, but his authoritarian rule was very unpopular. So, fearing a coup, he committed suicide in 1820. Pétion's successor in the south, Jean-Pierre Boyer, was then able to unite Haiti once again and in 1822 he went on to annex the east half of the island after the locals had declared independence from Spain. And Haiti would continue to rule over the whole island until the 1840s.
Now, we see just in that short three-minute clip, and there's a lot of stuff to unpack in it, and I'm not going to go through the entire history. We see the machinations. We see the coups. We see the dividing of the country. We see the political intrigue. Oh, and all of this in the middle and right after a revolution taking place, right? And what you have to understand is that what you had was you had um, of black people who were connected to Africa, who were just basically black Africans who grew up in Haiti, right? But still had their African identity. And then you had a group of mixed blacks that were there, right? Who represented another faction. And then you had white nations, right? British, French, and Spanish who were there. That the Haitians were ever able to come together and defeat the British, the Spanish, and the French, right? And run them all off at the same time. Now, when they talked about um, Jean-Jacques Dessalines, what they don't talk about is what Dessalines says, if, if, where he told the people, if I appear to, in essence, if I appear to sell out, or if I uh, appear to betray you, I will betray them two times more. So everything that you see, see Dessalines do, he'll do one thing make, to try to get the whites to relax and then turn around, you know what I'm saying, and slaughter them in the next breath, right? So Dessaline was playing the same game that Europeans play all the time. He's like, oh, okay, this is how y'all play? This is how y'all roll? All right, this is how I'm going to roll. I'm going to do the same thing, right? So the difference was, was Dessaline was ruthless with the Europeans. Um, Toussaint Louverture was more lenient toward them and was trying to make some type of way to make some type of peace. That became, that was his mistake. He didn't, he didn't surrender to the French. He was negotiating with the French. And then his negotiations end up landing him locked up and shipped off to France to die in a French prison, right? Dessalines like, not I, I ain't going out like that. So we just, we just taking heads, just straight up. And his philosophy of just ro just rolling heads, like, okay, because what they didn't talk about with Rochambeau, when Rochambeau came, he was, this Yoruba was ruthless. And he had met with the mulattoes, killed the mulatto generals, and sent their heads to their wives. That's how ruthless he was, right? So Dessaline seeing this, he's like, nah, not having it, not having it. So when he, so that's how they took power. They just rolled heads, right? But then, like I said, the conflict came in, and really, it was really the mulattoes that really betrayed Dessalines, murdered them, and that began the political intrigue and the destabilization of the country of Haiti. But of course, the show is why is Haiti so important to the black world? So when we watch the next clip. A uh, brother will lay it out pretty clear on why 
all of this was so important, not just to black people, Haiti, but black people around the world. I want you to think of the world in 1794. Everywhere you look, there's slavery in the Atlantic world. Everywhere. North America, Caribbean, Latin America, particularly Brazil. There is no anti-slavery movement that has succeeded in these places. Plantations are the order of the day. Sandoman is considered the pearl of the Antilles. It is the richest plantation and the richest colony in the entire colonial world. Everybody knows about it. The Dutch know about it. They have newspapers that write articles about it. The British write newspaper articles about it. The newspapers in Scotland were writing about it. The German newspapers were writing about it. Everybody was preoccupied because this was the richest colony of the world. This was the Antilles. This was the colony that I would argue that the colonial fantasy existed upon to the extent where rich women from Paris would send their clothes to be washed in Saint-Domain in a certain river because it had a certain quality in it. I mean, the fantasy that existed at that moment. So then you think of, your, think of, think of that world, and then think of the slaves then getting rid of slavery in 1794. And then think of the reverberations of that across the world. It created what became known as the Haitian fear. That is, we could not have this again. Napoleon made it absolutely clear. He said the key to the, what is happening in, in Saint-Domain, the colony, is not the commercial success, is not economics, is not even politics, he says. He says we have to get rid of the specter, and here I quote him, the specter of the blacks. What's the specter of the blacks? The specter of the blacks is black sovereignty and against slavery. So you think, therefore, how that revolution shakes up the entire world, a world built on colonialism and a world built on slavery. And then you ask yourself, OK, if that is so, what is the most important revolution of this period? Is it the French Revolution that declares rights of citizenship, citizens and equal rights, but continues a colonial project, not just in the Caribbean, but also in parts, of, in parts of Africa? Is it the American Revolution of 1776 that continues, that does not get rid of slavery, but just talks about political independence? Is it the English Revolution of 1648 in which parliamentary democracy is established? Or is it a, the Haitian Revolution, the dual Haitian Revolution, in which what? in which the question of slavery, which is the dominant form of domination of people in the Atlantic world, is gotten rid of. Is that not the most important and radical revolution of the period? And it is done by formerly enslaved people. Now, he makes a very um, compelling point of this being, he says, and I I believe the most important revolution during that time period, during that century on earth, because not only does it cause great fear in whites, but it also 
inspires people like um, Nat Turner and Denmark Vesey, right? Gabriel Prosser and others who heard this because every, everyone, like the clip said, everyone around the world knew about Haiti. So when it happened, the Europeans spread the news in their newspapers. And then, of course, those of us who either could read or even if you couldn't read, you would hear the Euros talk about it. And then we would talk about it amongst ourselves. Hey, did you hear? Like, I'm sure many enslaved Africans had no clue where Haiti was, but it didn't matter. So black people, they rose up, killed white people, built a nation. That, that's all you need to know. Because if you're enslaved, it, and it, I find it interesting, right? We always hear about black people trying to escape to the north, black people trying to escape to the north. We never hear any discussion of black people trying to get to Haiti, uh, black people um, trying to unite with Haiti and have Haiti come and fight here in America. All of that stuff, and there's some history with that, all of that is completely erased, right? The Haitian Revolution inspiring people up to the time of Mar Marcus Garvey. Why do you think Marcus Garvey wears that hat? That hat is inspired by the Haitian Revolution, inspired by the garb that they were wearing during that time, right? That didn't just come out of thin air. So this is the most important event in the lives of Black people in and around that time because one of the things it shows, right? What does it show? One, it shows white people can die and white people can be defeated. So, cause you gotta think, part of the propaganda was getting us to worship Europeans as deities. But when a deity's head can be chopped off and, and bowled down the hill like a bowling ball, the deity no longer has its divinity, right? So this was a this was an inspirational event that caused aspirations for liberation for black people around the world. And so, and he he said it. That's why. <laughs> I mean, think about think about how deep this is. Think about this, and this is always glossed over, right? When I learned about the Louisiana Purchase in high school, there was no connection made between the Haitian Revolution and inspiring Napoleon to give up what became, in essence, one third of America. If there's no Haitian Revolution, there is no manifest destiny that takes America from the 13 colonies along the East Coast all the way to California. That never happens. You see what I'm saying? And it's possible that this, this colonial project that is that became America doesn't even work out. Because that massive amount of, of territory being turned over, uh, I have probably more than doubled the size of America. When you look at the the landmass that is the that was the Louisiana Purchase, right? But without the Haitian Revolution, what what was a um, colony 
that was help to, helping to fund Napoleon and was a benefit to him and allowing him to do these wars and try to establish an empire in Europe became an albatross on his neck because then he had to send people to try to fight in Haiti to defeat the black people. So you lose the pro you lose the productivity of the workers, you lose the crops, you lose the uh, economic resources and, and the money that's benefit and the trade. You lose all of that, right? While you're fighting, and then you got and then you got to fight the people too, and you're fighting on two fronts, and so and you're trying to maintain another colony in, you know, say what that section of what became America, Louisiana, and he couldn't do it. So the Haitian Revolution forced the sale of quote unquote Louisiana, which is probably I don't even know how many states it is. And help to help basically cause him to be defeated. It's entirely possible that Napoleon takes over Western Europe if he doesn't have to deal with this situation here. Right? None of that is attributed to the Haitian Revolution at all. All of that is just completely glossed over. And brother, you got ripped off, said I'm from Louisiana and the Haitian Revolution was not covered in his story classes. I'm not surprised because people that were from Oklahoma said they never knew about the whole uh, situation in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. So the whole the whole a whole massacre took place. The people live down the street from them have no idea what's going on. I heard people say that they were in they were in the uh, University of Oklahoma taking history classes and didn't hear anything about it. Uh, and Brother Patrick says, Cooper Ted Buleka, for those that don't know, that was um, Jean-Jacques Dessalines um, mantra, cut off their heads and burn down their houses. Right? So, now we see how important this was. And this it wasn't a singular victory uh, on a small island. And in fact, I've seen people talk about this inspired other revolutions in quote unquote Latin America in Simone Boulevard and, and all, some of these other people. That's this what inspired them to get their freedom. And so if you look at it that way, right? And you look at the importance of it and you look at how, because again, what did Napoleon say? He said, the specter of the blacks. You think he was the only one that thought that? No, nah, he he was the one that said it publicly because he's like, oh, wait a minute, this is a problem for me. But you know good and well, England, because they had colonial um, property, um, Portugal, they had Brazil, and uh, Spain, they had territories or different islands and all this stuff in the same area, in the Caribbean. All of these people, I'm sure, were shook and like, hold up. If this spreads, right, we're all in trouble because many of these places, especially Brazil, the white Brazilians were outnumbered by the black people. The same way Haiti, all the French and all these people that were coming and buying, they were outnumbered completely by the black people. So when the black people rose up, even though the French had the weapons and stuff, it was a wrap. 
it was a wrap. And then the black people, because of it was a tropical environment, had adapted to the environment. So when Urugu was catching these diseases and whatnot, we know, normally they the ones spreading the disease, but this time they were falling victim to it. The black people were like, hey, we in the mountains, we chilling. We come down, we'll kill you, take your stuff. Now, what's yours is mine. Your supplies are my supplies. And of course, they were able to eventually gain liberation and begin to plan for to export that liberation. That's the part that they don't talk about. That was the fear. The fear wasn't just that this island, that black people had taken over this island. The fear was that this idea and this revolution can spread from this island to another island, to another island, to, oh, maybe it spreads to Florida. Maybe it spreads to South Carolina. Because, again, at this time, there were um, in counties and in these states where Black people were the majority. So you get this idea and you get people coming into South Carolina, you get Haitians taking boats to South Carolina, it's over. <laughs> It's over. It's, it, there's no way that the people, the Yoruba in South Carolina, could have resisted that type of onslaught from a war-savvy um, veteran Black army that had no fear of Europeans because they've already killed them. You see what I'm saying? So that was the fear amongst Yoruba. Uh, Brother Patrick said, Urugu always tries to hide when they get there. You know what's kicked, just like how they never talk about uh, the Seminoles. Um, yeah, the, <laughs> the Seminole Wars and how, how many, yeah. And for those that don't know, we talk about the Seminole War. The quote-unquote Seminoles were, in essence, a collaboration of Africans, um, quote-unquote, Native Americans and basically coming together and just making a, a new nation, right? And some, um, but some believe, or some uh, Africans that had been there previously and had just been there for a while because what they never talk about is African people have been coming to the Americas for probably since the time of ancient Kemet. But that's a whole nother discussion. But yeah. Europe doesn't, Europeans, Yorugu don't, they don't announce losses. And they certainly don't announce losses to black people. And you see it up to modern times when they talk about, um, when they talk about the um, Vietnam War, they don't mark it down as a loss. But that's a loss, right? You had a North Vietnam, you had a South Vietnam. When they finished, there was a Vietnam and Yorugu was kicked out. You know what I'm saying? North and South Korea, that's more of a stalemate. Vietnam was an L, but they don't write it down as L. But that's a loss. U.S. loss. So, with all that being said, right now we have an understanding of why the West overall does not like Haiti. So, the next clip I want to get to real quick is there's a clip that deals with the invasion of. Haiti by the U.S. and the U.S. Set, setting up uh, basically, in essence, really 
colonizing, recolonizing Haiti. And this is a part of history that um, I was vaguely familiar with. It was some good information here. And then we'll come back and we'll discuss the ramifications of that. Because basically what I want to do is basically give kind of a historical outline and move up to modern times and then talk about what's going on now. So we're going to watch this short clip. And welcome to episode four of the Short Banana War series. The Banana Wars were a series of U.S. invasions slash interventions in Latin America during the early 20th century. This series is meant to give a little insight as to what occurred during this event that in many ways have impacted the citizens of these nations until modern day. In today's episode, we will be looking at the U.S. occupation of Haiti. Between 1919 and 1915, Haiti was politically unstable. A series of political assassinations and forced exiles resulted in six different presidents holding office during this period. Various revolutionary armies carried out the coups, and they were enlisted by rival political factions under the promises of money which would be paid after a successful revolution. The United States was worried about German influence over the island nation. Haiti had around 200 Germans within its community, but these Germans held a massive amount of economic and political power. They had married into predominant Haitian families and built up a good portion of the modern transportation market as well as the ports of trade. The German Empire in turn had tried to exert some influence over the Caribbean since the 1880s against the wishes of the United States. Plans had been drawn up by Germany to actually attack the US at the turn of the 20th century, hint hint click on the video I have about that subject here, but they were shelved shortly after the construction. American businesses' interests were also at odds with them, as the vast mineral and material wealth of Haiti was well known to many of the world. The Germans also served as the principal financers of the nation's revolutions, floating loans at high interest rates to the competing political factions. Because of this, they were regarded as a threat to American financial interests. The US military leadership believed the Haitian Germans were tied directly to the government in Berlin. To counter this influence, the US sponsored a New York-run group of investors to buy out the only national bank in Haiti, which would effectively put the nation's commerce under American investor control. In December of 1914, the U.S. military seized the Haitian government's gold reserve and transferred it to the investors' bankers, as well as slightly assist Jean Favram Guillaume, or just Sam, in becoming president in February the following year. Sam turned his presidency into a dictatorship five months later and ordered the execution of 167 political rivals, all of which were from the predominant families with German connections. Sam was killed by a mob in Port-au-Prince as soon as they learned of the executions. The United States regarded what had turned into an anti-American revolt against Sam as a threat to American business interests in the country and sent forces to occupy the nation immediately. U.S. President Woodrow Wilson ordered 330 U.S. Marines to occupy Port-au-Prince on July the 25th. 
Wilson also aimed to rewrite the Haitian constitution as a banned foreign ownership of land, but he wanted to replace it with one that guaranteed American financial control over the markets. As soon as U.S. Marines landed on the island, various groups fought against them and the later established island government for years. This period is referred to as the Kalakau Wars, named after the band of peasant militia that largely made up these rebellious bands. <coughs> it wasn't until the last Marines left in 1934 that these skirmishes and battles finally settled. In September of 1915, the U.S. Senate ratified the Haitian-American Convention, a treaty granting the United States security and economic oversight of Haiti for a 10-year period, and the U.S. representatives had total veto power over the Haitian government. Within six weeks of the occupation, the U.S. government seized control of Haiti's custom houses, including the banks and the national treasury. Under governmental control, a total of 40% of Haitians' national income was designated to repay debts to American and French banks, and would control Haitian external finances until 1947. Under the occupational government, civil conscription was put back into place, with a series of roads, bridges, schools, communications, and public works projects being built all around the nation. Thousands of citizens were also shipped off to work in the sugar fields in Cuba and the Dominican Republic, as the sugar crop didn't have the same export potential as the other two nations. Now, again, it's incredible about to unpack in that. Brother Dawood says, please mention in indemnity payments, aka extortion payments of 150 million francs uh, worth 21 billion US dollars that France levied against Haiti for winning the revolution. Indeed. And then you saw in that clip where they were saying that some of the money from this uh, invasion of Haiti went into where? U.S. and where else? French banks. But here's the interesting thing. I had never heard this. I think Lord Bell was like, hey, wait a minute, what? We're going to get to that, Lord Bell. It says that Germans were in Haiti intermarried amongst the Haitian, uh, the leading Haitian families. Who are the one group of people that we know that will come in, will intermarry, will change their names, and will take over your economy and your banks? Who's the one group of people we know on earth who that's their standard operating procedure? I'll give you all a few seconds to uh, for somebody to put it in the chat. Because I can't prove this, but when I saw that, I saw it and I heard the MO, I'm like, oh, I know who that is. And also, around this same time, where while this invasion was going on, what else was going on in the United States? December 23rd, 1913, the founding of the Federal Reserve in America, right? says that Wilson allowed for a regional Federal Reserve system operating under a supervisory board in Washington, D.C. Congress approved the Federal Reserve Act and President Wilson signed it into law December 23rd, 1913. So, Federal Reserve, which is not federal, and a small hat operated bank in 1913. Then you have a war about a year, year and a half later in Haiti to take over 
their banks, right? But who's already there in Haiti taking over the banks in that economy? Germans, quote unquote, mixing with the people. So you got hats on one end in America and hats on another end in Haiti having a hat war. And there's how, and from our perspective, it's Germans and Americans. Can't make this stuff up, man. Can't make that. Like literally, I just found out this stuff within the last two days. I'm like, wait a minute, whoa, what? So now again, when people look at the condition of Haiti, right? They like, oh, why is Haiti this and that? I just showed you wars. I just showed you an invasion and in essence a recolonization of Haiti by the United States at the what appears to be at the behest of the hats to consolidate hat power over both nations at the same time. That's what it looks like to me. I could be completely wrong. But when you start talking about taking over banks and intermarrying with leading families, that's I mean that's hat 101. That's their MO. I had no clue about no Germans or no hats in hey, I had no clue until I saw this clip. And I'm like, wait, what? Who what happened? When? Where? What? And it's right there. Right? So, like they said, now after that war, the US basically is taking over Haiti for in essence 20, 30 years. So when you hear them talk about uh, Papa Doc and all these people. Most of the time, when you see somebody come in, if they're not killed, they're back by the West. You see a leader ruling over Haiti and he chilling he's there for years and people talk about how horrible he is and he doesn't get killed. That's because America wants him there. Whatever he's doing, they have no problem with. And that's why the person continues to be allowed to do what they do. Right. So, but one of the things that it talked about that a lot of people didn't know, BB Fold and Straight Black Ride to a BB Fold man. One of the things they talked about, what they talked about, they talked about the wealth of Haiti. And this is the part that literally until about 10 years ago, I had no clue because I've never seen. Any black people from Haiti who uh, or any like enclave of Haiti or any city in Haiti that ever look wealthy. So when people talk about the wealth of Haiti, I'm like, the wealth of Haiti, what are you talking about? What we're looking at in Haiti is what we're looking at in Congo in a different place and not and we we don't connect it. You're looking at a minerally rich place with a economy in shambles because Yorugu is causing civil unrest, political unrest, and digging and mining and taking the resources from right under the feet of the black people that are there, that if they were left alone could build one of the most powerful economies in the world. And as you see the same thing in the Congo, which becomes Zaire and all that. Y'all know that whole history. Murder of Patrice Lumumba, that whole thing. Haiti is the same thing 
except it's here in the West, except they hate Haiti even more. Why? Because Haiti got free and killed Urugu. So as black people, if we just compared notes, we realized, hey, hold up, this is the same, we got the same beef right here. We got the same problem right here. That's why when I see people on, especially on Twitter, arguing about this group of black people, and it, look, we can solve all that after. But if we actually compare our problems, our problems will sound significantly similar. And the 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 cause of the problems would be obvious. That's why they always try to get us against each other because it covers up the real problem or the, the cause of the problem. Because think about it. When you see, <laughs> this was crazy, right? And I'm going off a little bit on tangent and I'll bring back around to Haiti. When you see people online and you see Nigerians arguing with people from the Caribbean, people from the Caribbean arguing with people from America and all this stuff, do we, let's look at this, right? We don't have any actual history of a long history of physical violence against each other. But we got history of Yorugu making war against all of us. But we want to argue with Haitians online, Nigerians, and whoever else. We want to argue with them about whatever what they call the diaspora wars on, on Twitter. Or black men want to argue with black women. Okay, yeah, I mean, every everybody could point to something that was going on and some stuff we may have and somebody may have some legitimate beef. But what about this beast? What about Urugu? Where's the smoke for them? We all got beef with them, but we ain't got time for that. We want to argue amongst each other because we don't want no smoke with Yorugu because we scared because we some cowards. That's all to it. We are all of us. All of us have a problem with Yorugu, with these hats. In fact, the hats, half the time the hats is seeking Yorugu on us. Sometimes Yorugu sitting there and just minding his business, then the hats come and be like, Hey, those N words did so and so in the hat. Like, what? You know, it don't take much for Yuru because they like killing anyway. So you ain't it don't take much to get riled them up, get them riled up. They, you know, they that's just how they are. But half the time it's the hats come over there pointing them at us because they know if if Yurugu sits around and thinks long enough, then he'll start figuring out, hey man, you know what? These hats are a bigger problem. Let's kill them. Because that's what happens in Europe all the time. The hats come in your do stuff. It takes about what seemingly like 50 years for Yurugu to catch on that it's the hats. And then they go kill him. And then next thing you know, the hats move somewhere else. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Uh, Sister Tila Nuba says, we have to understand we have no friends, period. Right. And we wouldn't need any friends because there's a billion of us around the world. If we just said, you know what? I don't. Okay. Let's say you say you don't like whoever would whatever group of black people if you just said but i'll work with you now to deal with these asians in china or the hats here or where what whatever group it is because all of them if you read dr chancellor williams he said he said all the asians eurasian europe asia he said all the, the that's the same thing he said we need smoke 
with all of them. If we figure out the rest later, right? The Arabs, all that. Um, Lord Bell says, where's the smoke for Asians that disrespect black women? This is what's so crazy, Lord Bell. This was so crazy. When brothers was going in and tearing up these, um, let's see, how can I put it? When brothers were going in and reclaiming some of these businesses from the Asians that had disrespected sisters, there were groups of sisters that refused to stop going to the businesses. This is how this is how messed up we are. Brothers are like, oh, they disrespecting black women in here. I bet going in and um negotiate <laughs> with these people about their business. You feel like your business needs some customer service, uh, needs an upgrade of customer service. So we're gonna give you a lesson in customer service in the black community. Right? I mean, I've I've shown those, I've shown those clips in, in some of my lectures. And then the sisters, maybe not that same ones that are in there, maybe so. But sisters still go back in there once the once the um whatever you know mysterious damage that occurs, once that's repaired, sisters grow back in there. So then brothers is like, okay, why why am I gonna address this if you're not at least at least at least go to a different shop? Even if you don't start going to Asian shops, period, go to a different shop. How are you gonna go back in the same place? But that's that's our mentality. As a people, it's not just the sisters. The sisters, it's just it's just those shops. Brothers doing. I mean, look, we can't even get brothers to wear pants above their buttocks in twenty first century. So I mean, what else you want me to say? It gets, it gets no worse than that. We got started. I remember sister um, sister that's a supporter of SBPM. She asked me something. I think she asked me something about African spirituality or something. And I said, sister, right now we're trying to get brothers to put their pants on. We we back to square one. We got to get brothers to put their pants on above their buttocks before we can even get to. You talking about advanced level stuff. We're trying to get people put their, we're trying to get black men to wear pants correctly in the 21st century. And fight against the men that want to put dresses on because they want to put the dresses on and then sodomize our sons. Right. So we start we start there and we're moving up to you know people want to hey man, you do this advance, this and that and that whole oh. trying to trying to be before they straight black pride brother Destiny. We're trying to convince black men to be with black women and black women to be with black men. Like we, we're talking about truly basic stuff before we can even get started on advanced stuff that some people say, hey, we should do this. I'm not debating that. We're trying to get black men to love black women and black women to love black men instead of People trying to love outside the race, or two men get together, two women get all oh, oh, this other wild stuff that Yorugu throwing at us and our children looking at, and they like, oh, that must be the thing to do. We start with the basics, right? And that shows you the type of confusion that the hats, especially, are able to cause. And when you do that confusion, what happens? You can't think about 
nothing revolutionary. So it ain't going to be no more Jean-Jacques Dessalines. It ain't going to be no more Haitian Revolution. Because how are you going to have a Haitian Revolution if your men wearing high heels? <laughs> right? And your women think your men are the enemy. And your men raping your women. And then praising your rugu. And talking about, I don't date dark skin sisters and all this other wild stuff that we see on the internet all the time. Even if this stuff is small, which I believe it is, it gets magnified by the internet and it causes confusion. And then brothers and sisters want to argue instead of us dealing with what? Urugu, the hats, and all these other enemies that we got running around the world, causing complete confusion and madness and destruction of our people. B4 day to uh, 777 and uh, straight black prior to uh, Cushimus. Help me out if I mispronounce that. I apologize. And I don't know if I said BB Foley to Desaline, but Desaline, but if not, BB Foley. So all of that confusion, all of that, these attacks, right? And we are under attack in all areas of people activity. KU Chemist, thank you for clarifying that. All of that because they don't want a repeat of the Haitian Revolution of Black sovereignty, of Black liberation, of Black unity, where at least in the small whole term, the Black people and the mix were like, we got to deal with these Yoruba. We'll, we'll settle our stuff later. That is, to this day, the blueprint and the guiding light of how black people get free. Like they, like one of the things they never talk about when they talk about the Haitian revolution. And if you really want a, a, um, a book that really lays out the Haitian revolution and puts it from an African, from a black perspective, the irritated genie by uh, Baba Jacob Carruthers, best book I can recommend on it. Bar none. Best book there is. Highly recommend that. Again, like I said, that 1804 uh, documentary. For those of you who are visual learners don't like to read, that's excellent as well. I recommend both. I recommend them together. Right? So, with all that being said, I had two more clips I wanted to go, go through. Um, one of them deals with, let me, let me look at my notes. One of them deals with the wealth found in Haiti, and then the other one deals with the uh, the assassination of the president. And then we'll get into the articles that deal with the wealth of Haiti and what's going on there. So hopefully I got these in order. If not, we'll just watch them back to back and then we'll cover that information there. Haiti is reeling after the assassination of its president inside his home. Haiti's first lady was wounded in the overnight attack but survived. Here is CBS's Ben Tracy. The attackers seen here approaching the president's residence in trucks apparently pretended to be agents of the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration in order to get past security guards. The gunman broke into the home of Haiti's president early this morning. Then shots are fired. 
they assassinated the 53-year-old Haitian leader, Jovenel Moise, and also shot his wife, Martine. She survived and was brought to a Miami hospital for treatment. Vehicles and walls outside the compound were riddled with bullets. Haiti's interim prime minister, Claude Joseph, called the attack a coup and said the gunmen were speaking English and Spanish. He claims the country's security is now under control. Late this afternoon, police said they had the killers surrounded. I was awakened at 3 o'clock in the morning by gunshots, heavy gunshots. Magali Noel Dress is a business owner in Haiti's capital, Port-au-Prince. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? Everybody is very worried about the security because one, the head of state is gone down. Anybody could go be could go down. The streets are empty. Nobody's out. It's this is very heavy. Haiti has been in turmoil for months as President Moise became increasingly unpopular for clinging to power after his term expired. There are now fears of more violence. We need a lot more information, but it's it's just. It's very worrisome about the state of Haiti. Especially for those living there, wondering what might come next. Ben Tracy, CBS News. All right. Now, that's their report on the murder of the president, right? I want you to, I want you to keep, just keep that in mind. Hold that. We'll get to that. The last clip, and I wanted to do it. I did them out of order. I apologize for that. The last clip we'll talk about something that no one is talking about. Then we'll get to some articles. Flowing in these remote rivers may be the answer to Haiti's economic woes. A bike ride along dirt roads leads to what could be more than $20 billion worth of gold and other precious minerals. It's a secret that locals in northern Haiti have known for generations and they don't want it to get out. Since I was a kid, I have been panning for gold. I don't want any company to come here and take our gold away. Gold is my life. The women show us the river they pan in, but we're worried that we would reveal the location to a mining company. Several foreigners have offered to pay them over the last year to drill on their land. After six days of panning for gold, these women earn about $100, which is more than enough to feed their families. Mining has been a way of life here for centuries for these people, and they want it to stay that way. So far, Canadian and American mining companies have invested more than $30 million collecting samples, building roads, and digging. Nearly 15% of Haiti's territory is now under license to North American mining firms. In neighboring Dominican Republic, mining companies believe they've found the largest gold reserve in the Americas, 24 million ounces. And they're hoping that the gold rush extends to Haiti, a country where the average person earns less than a dollar a day. But keeping those potential profits in the country will be a challenge. Haiti has one of the lowest royalty rates in the Western Hemisphere. Only 2.5% of the value of each ounce of gold extracted. We probably also have not only the weakest government in the hemisphere in terms of institutions, it's also probably the most corrupt government in the hemisphere. That spells a lot of money for a tiny group of people here in the capital. All the rest of the money will go to shareholders up in the United States and Canada. Many Haitians like Jean Eagle are already worried about doing business with foreign companies. 
Although he allowed a Canadian firm to test his land, he is now having second thoughts about selling his property. I don't trust doing business with them. They promised they would give people jobs operating the machines, and they did not fulfill any of their promises. But the reality is big companies will likely create hundreds of jobs for locals, a fact that might convince some it's worth taking the risk. Rachel Levin, Al Jazeera, Trodenord, Haiti. Now, that second clip is like from 10, 11 years ago, right? When the, right before the earthquake is where they made an announcement of finding a large, um, a large cache, I guess the word is, of gold ore, ore in Haiti. Now, if you listen to that clip, remember they said that the Haitian people had known about this for generations. The people knew. The West didn't know as far as where everything was. They knew about Haiti's wealth, but the actual mineral wealth wasn't as much known to everybody, right? So again, we see more motivation for continuing destabilization of Haiti, right? And so what did they say? They say that most of the money from the mining goes out of the country and that the people receive very little money and that the people are reticent to work with outside groups. Oh, fine. You don't want to work with outside groups. We'll just destabilize the whole country. And then what happens? What is what is uh, Biden talking about now? He's talking about sending in troops to what? Quote, unquote, stabilize Haiti. Well, when the U.S. sends in troops to stabilize a country, that just means that you're sending in a military to oversee the extraction of wealth and the implementation of whatever you want. Anybody that's read... Um, uh, confessions of an economic hitman, you understand how this works. If you haven't read that book, it's an excellent book. And it ties right into this because we just see updated methods of the, the stuff he talks about. And I think the stuff he's talking about was happening in the 60s and 70s. Right? We also had the concept of disaster capitalism that I believe I talked about before on another show. So we're witnessing this. But even with all that, be voted, uh, brother, pro-black and plant-based, even with all that, it was a piece I was missing Went to this situation. I'm like, okay, this president, from everything I've seen, this president was pro that the West was with him. The people didn't like him. People didn't like the guy before him. So I'm like, why? Why would they kill him now? Because I know it's the West, Right? But, but why? And I couldn't figure it out. So we're going to look at a couple of articles and we'll get, I think we'll get to the point. So let me see if I bring this article up real quick. What does this article say? A year after pandemic hits, Haiti awaits vaccines amid apathy, right? And in the article, it says, Haiti does not have a single vaccine to offer its more than 11 million people 
over a year after the pandemic began, raising concerns among health experts that the well-being of Haitians is being pushed aside as violence and political instability across the country deepens. First of all, when has America, greetings to I Island, cared about Haitian people's lives, right? This is a country they invaded. You can't invade a country without killing people. Man, that's just a fact. I don't care what you're talking about. But now, all of a sudden, they care about their lives. It says, so far, Haiti is slated to receive only 756,000 doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine through a United Nations program aimed at ensuring the neediest countries get what? The COVID-19 shots. Now, this is the same thing. If you ever seen, um, what is that, that movie? But it'll come to me in a minute. It's a documentary where they talk about what they do in these countries. These countries, uh, these, especially these black countries, the countries are poor, they lack all types of stuff, infrastructure, you name it, all types of stuff. And what they'll come in with is vaccines, excuse me, and birth control. And they'll claim that these are the two things that people need, right? So here we are right here, what they're saying, the United Nations program at ensuring the neediest countries get the COVID-19 shots. Says the free doses were scheduled to arrive in May at the latest, but delays are expected because Haiti missed a deadline and the key Indian manufacturer is now prioritizing an increase in domestic demand, right? Now, this is from April of this year. Haiti has only recently completed some of the essential documentation that are prerequisites for processing of a shipping order, said Gabby, the Vaccine Alliance, a Geneva uh, based public private partnership that is co managing the UN back COVAX effort. The country also didn't apply for a pilot program, which it would have received some of the allotted doses early, according to the Pan American Health Organization. However, a spokeswoman commend, commended its other pandemic efforts, including reinforcing hospital preparedness. All right, now think about this, right? Nine times out of 10, they will, in, in this case, because it says vaccines awake amid apathy, they have painted it as they, in nine times out of 10, they'll say incompetence. They haven't really said that this is incompetence, right? You notice that. They just said they haven't done the paperwork. This is the equivalent. This is what I believe that their president was doing. This is the equivalent of when you tell your children to do something and they don't tell you they won't do it. They just do it so slow that it never gets done. This is literally what the Haitian government was doing with these vaccines. What does it say? It said they hadn't filled out paperwork to get this stuff first. Then it said they had just filled out some paperwork to get a shipment. And then they hadn't done some other stuff that they needed to do. I believe. I cannot prove this, that without making a public announcement, because I haven't been able to find a public announcement that I'm saying it, I believe that he simply was against the vaccines for whatever reason, even though he had already made a deal with the West, and he was just slow playing it so that they wouldn't come and take over the country, but they have 
killed him and planning to take over the country anyway. So I believe personally that the reason he's dead is because him not enforcing the vaccines in Haiti. Now, here's what's deep, right? When they're telling, they're talking about, oh my God, they need these vaccines, blah, 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 blah. Here are the numbers of people. Haiti's lack of vaccine comes at the reports more than 12,700 cases and 250 deaths, numbers that experts believe are unre- underreported. Remember when this first started? Remember when this first started? And they kept saying, why isn't it happening? Why isn't, why doesn't Africa have these? Um, why didn't Africa have all these cases? Remember when Italy was like getting destroyed by this COVID thing? That was the reports. But they were like, why isn't it happening in Africa? And it, and then all of a sudden you start hearing about what it happening in Africa. Like, yeah, it happened in Africa because they, they brought it there. Same Haitian thing. They're trying to tell you that they have an emergency where they need vaccines, but 250 people died. 250 people die in Haiti every day. People die from starvation. People die from malaria. People die from all types of stuff. People die from getting shot. People die from the unrest. People die from, you know, saying regular crime. Them same 250 people were, going, were dying of all types of stuff. You're not doing nothing about none of that stuff, but you need these vaccines, right? You need these vaccines. So I'm of the opinion backed by facts and documentation that the real reason that this guy who apparently the West was backing seemingly five minutes ago, now he's in a grave because he was slow playing and not really supporting this vaccine program. Because they talking about it's been over a year, it's been this and that. We got stuff ready and they're not doing this. They're not filling paper out the paperwork. It's just like your child when your child don't want to do something. Okay, I, nah, I ain't gonna, I'm not going to tell my mother I ain't going to do it and get thrown out, <laughs> beat, whatever. Punish whatever the case. I, I just do it so slow that it never happens. That, that's what he that's what this guy was doing. Right. So I wanted to talk about that, but somebody else jumped. You got ripped off, jumped in front of me again. <laughs> and jumped in front of me again because there's another article that I want I wanted to look at uh real quick that I wanted to bring up. It's really bad. COVID urgency in Haiti has Biden administration working on what? Vaccines. All the things that they could be working on, they're working on vaccines. So that was from June. Now, I just told you 250 people died, but it's really bad. We're working on these vaccines. But they said that they've been doing a hospitalization. They've been doing other stuff that has kept the numbers down. But here in Miami Herald, it's really bad. We got to get them vaccines. This came out in June. He's dead in July. Right? I'm just saying these coincidences are interesting, to say the least. A wonderful producer said the French doctors want to test African people's guinea pigs, but when a fruit and goats and shoelaces are positive, it's time to Tuskegee experiment on our people. Right. And to your point, right, the French doctors, all of that is correct. All that's factual. You can look all that stuff up. 
And then our president, Margaret Foley, in uh, Tanzania, who was a scientist, he tested himself, hey, oh, hold up. You telling me that's, that inanimate objects and, and fruit and all types of stuff is coming back positive? I got to pull back because I, I don't know what's going on, but somebody lying. Mr. Magafugli, after that, after he made a laughing stock of these people and there was virtually no COVID there, what happens? Suddenly, he mysteriously dies. We still don't really have no explanation that I heard, no reasonable explanation of how, how he died. We didn't know he did. Right? Then this guy, the whole, his, his thing, I mean, think about this. A sitting president who has security has a crew of people roll up into his house and kill him while the security is outside. Just like some Tom Clancy movie. Right? That's about how crazy this is. And they like, well, we don't know what happened. We don't nobody know nothing. But according to this, they wasn't getting the jab according to these articles, and they better get the jab. It's really bad. They gotta get it. When they without question, we know they're gonna get it now because it's gonna be just like Tanzania. When they wasn't getting no vaccines, he's like, man, I'm, I don't care what y'all talking about. We got some stuff that we got some natural stuff we can give people. They get it. We good. Plus, we're in a tropical region, stuff like that. Bad. We we good. We straight. Right. And now he's dead. Now this guy's dead. Right. So it was one other article I wanted to get to. Where Trump was talking about the Clinton Foundation. This is back in 2016. Says Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump on Tuesday accused the Clinton Foundation of failing to live up to its promises it made to help redevelop Haiti after the massive 2010 earthquake devastated the country. And those attacks were came as the foundation faces intense scrutiny over receiving foreign donations in some way echo the complaints have been made by the Haitians on the ground. While Haiti has suffered, the Clintons and their pals have cashed in. Bill and Hillary's brothers have signed housing deals in Haiti, and one wound up on the board of a what? Gold mining company. So we know who has, I mean, we know America has interest in Haiti and we see who, what America power couple has extra, extra interest in Haiti. We got, we got interest in gold, natural resources, and a push for vaccines. All of this happening in Haiti leading up to the murder of a president who, by accounts of people in Haiti and outside, a guy who was pro-Western that the people didn't like, but the people didn't take him out. Some people from another country, some other country's special forces, mercenaries come in and kill the president. 
you can't make any of this stuff up. And of course, I'm not even going into the whole Clinton thing. Because we already know that Clinton is connected to who? Jeffrey Epstein. And Brother uh, Irritated Genie, he did, um, he put together a lot of this stuff because there was also some uh, child sex trafficking happening out of Haiti. He did, he covered all this in his, in that, in his Pizzagate lecture with the Clintons and Haiti and all that. So if you haven't seen his Pizzagate lecture, you don't have a copy of that. You want to get that. So I said I would go through all this in two hours or less. I think we have at least some idea why the Haitian president is now dead. Now we have talk about sending troops to Haiti, right? And in fact, one of the one of the people who claims to represent the Haitian people now has asked for troops to come in and quote unquote stabilize Haiti, but he said publicly, I'm not asking for an invasion. Now let's think about this for a moment. If you ask for the United States to send in troops to your country, what do you what do you think? What are you asking for? You're literally if you're asking for another military outside of your home to come onto your soil, you're lit that you're asking for an invasion. And of course, now because of the void, the country was unstable before all of this happened. Now the president is dead. You got different people claiming to represent the government, quote unquote. It's become the same way it's becoming. It's just not open warfare yet. It's becoming the same way that uh, Libya became after Gaddafi. And what did we see that happened in Libya after Gaddafi? After Gaddafi, who was no friend of African people, but still the country was stable, Libya became a, a hub of human trafficking of black people in North Africa. What do you think is going to happen with the Clintons there to some of the young people in Haiti with a country that's completely destabilized and children being not being protected by parents who can't even afford to feed them, let alone physically protect them from armies coming into the country to secure the wealth of Haiti. Think about it. Last time we got all we had all these articles and all this information about uh, um, United Nations so-called peacekeepers raping and pillaging all through Africa. And then you're going to ask for America to send troops. You're literally asking for child sex trafficking in your country. In addition to the vaccine, the Fauci. Yeah, you've opened up this country for complete and total destruction and annihilation as payback for 
revolution and liberation and, and shining total eternal example of what black people can do when they unite amongst themselves. Even if you got to include the mixed black people in the fight. And Brother Dawood says it's not about what you're asking for, it's what you are willing to give up once the troops arrive. Oh, I mean, yeah, once the troops arrive, <laughs> you giving it all up. It don't matter, right? It, literally, this is what it's like. People have been incarcerated or no people have been incarcerated. Know what I'm talking about. It's like you're incarcerated and you ask for protection from a certain dude. But you don't know, or maybe you do know, right, that this dude, his fee for incarceration ain't your commissary. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? His fee for incarceration is your sexual services. That's what asking America to come into your country is. It's asking that guy that's been incarcerated to give you protection. Oh, he's going to protect you. He's going to protect you from everybody else because he's going to have you to himself to do whatever he wants to do. That's what asking America to come into your country is. And uh, Sister Fonessa says, I'm beginning to think they know exactly what they're asking for when they call for other countries to come into your country. Well, here's the thing. If I, if I have several plants, and by plants, I'm not talking about the plants in your house, but plant plant people into your government. If I have several plants in your government and the main one doesn't want to do what we've agreed to, okay, well, we'll kill him and then the, prop the other guy up and he'll speak for you. And then you say, well, so-and-so invited us in. I mean, we've seen this here in America. How many times when one of us gets killed, some before we can even find out the story, some Negro preacher and some coon and some uh, Yoruba lover is standing up in front of the microphone talking about what they want, and we ain't even, we don't even know the person name that's dead yet. And these people speaking for us, and basically telling us to, to love the people that just shot our cousin, our brother, uh, you know, our little brother, and all this stuff. And we trying to figure out what in the world is going on, and what we gonna do, and trying to organize something. And the Negro preacher then beat us to the punch, and he up there uh, talking about loving Yoruba. It's the same thing. It just looks different because we're looking at it happened in another country. And like, what are they doing? But in another country, black people probably looking at us like, what are they doing? When, at, when there was a time, like we'll look at the Haitians now, but there was a time when the Haitians was rolling on Yorugu. Well, people could look at us and say, man, what are they doing? Because Somebody told me about the Panthers and Robert F. Williams and Malcolm X and all these people. And, and uh, Marcus Garvey built this here. And they used to be thorough. And they were doing this and that and organizing and blasting on Yoruba and this and that. What's going on now? We're in the same condition as those folks doing the same thing because we're all being led by people who are, uh, who are uh, loyal to our enemies. But and what it does is it makes all of us to each other look like, well, they selling out. Why don't we sell out? But the, it's not the people, per se. It's the, 
the coons and Negroes that are put over us. One time I had thought about it. I'm like, what better way to win a war than to appoint your enemies generals? And that's what the European has done. The people that we have over us, the so-called leaders that we have over us. I mean, look at the Congressional Black Caucus, as Brother Janie calls it. Those Negroes, I mean, man, please. Those Negroes, man. How much damage do they do in our name? Right? But we're looking at other people. They, oh, what are they doing? But we all in the same boat. So whatever we see in Haiti is going to get worse. And we're going to we're going to see them get that get the jab. And while we're looking at Haiti and talking, oh my God, they about to get the jab, Biden just said that he's going to have people go door to door to door excuse me in underserved communities what are the underserved communities they talking about whose door will they be knocking on i got a video coming out uh tuesday morning dealing with that be sure to check it out i got another video coming out dealing with the uh because we're talking about child sex trafficking got another video coming out dealing with the uh, San Francisco gay choir. I'm sure many of you saw that video. They took that down. However, I got it. So, you know, we'll be talking about that. Got it. That'll be out probably middle of the week. Um, a wonderful producer is putting up my links that I'm not putting up. Again, you can follow me on Instagram at dc.radical1, Twitter at dc underscore radical underscore one. The cash app is dollar sign dc radical1. This is the YouTube, capital D, small c, radical1. And the email is dc.radical underscore one at protonmail.com. That's how you can contact me. That's how you can support financially. And brother, you got ripped off, says the sad irony is CBC. Some of the CBC are Haitian descent, right? Not the type of Haitians that we want. And also, our wonderful producer says, you can follow me on OTW2 at OTW2 slash user slash DC Radical 1. And Brother I. Allen says, be sure to hit the like button, please. And I saw our wonderful producer. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Uh, Sister Tila Newby says, when it comes to pedophilia, do... You know how many countries have no age limit when it comes to consent laws. Um, I do not. I know that the Western countries are lowering the consent laws, and I know a lot of a lot of African countries um, do not even have consent laws in place. And there, there's a there's a mix of reasons about that on the continent. Um, there's some cultural things. And then there's some things that they learn from Yoruba. And the thing about it is when you deal with that is it gets difficult for an outsider to discern what's cultural and what's inherited from Yoruba and also from the Arabs. Because they 
you know, they've imposed their culture over the, ex the existing African culture. And it, it takes a lot to unravel that. But this, I mean, this, the whole, you know, I wanted to do a lecture called um, the pedophile world order. This whole um, European construct is headed towards child sex trafficking and sexual abuse being of children being normalized. And they're gonna start in the weakest places first and then just take it around the world. Excuse me. And it's up to us to resist, uh, as I always say, according to Dr. Collins, for us to resist to exist. It is, you know, no one knows, no one else is going to do it. And and the thing is, what happens, this is what happens. This is what they do. Hats are infamous for this. They make, they do things so gradual that they do it in stages so that you may only see one or two changes in your lifetime, but then your children are in a different world and then you can't relate to your children. And your children that think, what they see is normal, not realizing that what's normal now wasn't even thought of when you were a child or maybe when your mother was a child. And that's what they've done. A perfect example of this is the whole Rainbow Mafia. The, thing, the things that we see now, right, were talked about in the 1972 gay rights platform as far as um, all the quote unquote LGBT rights and the push to make this normalize and have them adopt their children and all this stuff. And we'll get into that in the other video. But in 1955, no one who was living in thought that what we see in 2020 culturally in America was, was even possible. Most people didn't, most people didn't, didn't enter their mind and they wouldn't. And this is Europeans, it didn't enter their mind. But a lot of this stuff, the, the groundwork was being laid for it already. But, and now here we are. And uh, let's see, wonderful producer says, um, do you think the Europeans go to the Caribbean and third world places for, for the sun? They're there craving for our children. And brother, you got ripped off. Says no age of consent laws because pedophilia doesn't exist in traditional African sense. So many don't have a concept of it. That's no age consent law. Indeed, indeed. And and you know what, what, brother? You got ripped off to that point. What happens is that that's one of the things that um, it's one of the things that really it kind of limits us to understanding our enemies and it puts us at a disadvantage because things that they have are, that are normalized are so outside the realm of understanding of us in the traditional sense that by the time we realize what our enemies actually like and what they, you know, what's part of their culture and what they like to do, we're already, you know, it's already been unleashed on us. Right. So we, so we're like, it's just stuff like think about it, right? It's stuff that we can't think of that we that's ridiculous to us. For example, prime example. Um, 
people who are having sex with animals. No black person sits around. I'm not gonna say no, but you understand what I'm saying. Black people around the world is no have no history of having sex with animals. We just don't. Meanwhile, in Europe, they have animal brothels, right? So when I come and post and do lectures what I started doing, I guess like three years ago now, showing black people that they're animal brothels in Europe, they're looking at me like I'm crazy. Like, we're like what are you, where did this come from? What's going on? Meanwhile, this has been part of European history for thousands of years. So we don't even have, you know what I'm saying? We don't even have any idea of who these people are, even into the 21st century. And then when somebody shows it to you and puts it up on the screen, you sitting here like losing your mind. I had I have parts of lectures that I can only do in certain places because I can't do it. Can't do everlasting life. Can't show you no. It's stuff I can't show you that the Chinese do as part of their culture and Europeans do as part of their culture. I can't do that. I can't show that lecture in uh no no restaurant. You'll never come there again. All you think about is me showing you a video of some white woman talking about how great it is to be with her dog. You never you never come to the place again. You see what I'm saying? And I got I got the I got the documentation. So I have stuff on our enemies that when I do, and some of you all have seen it, that I do them basically at this point once a year. Where I talk about our enemies and how they are, show how they really are, that I can't even show in certain places. That I have to, you know, that's why I want to go. I love the online. I love all that. I love the technology. But I still want to be able to go physically to different cities and talk to the people and show them who these people are. Because it's different when you see these people in what I call their natural habitat, doing what they naturally do. And you see it on video or in pictures. And you see it with a bunch of other black people. And it's like it's like unplugging 50 black people from the matrix at the same time. Because then people get to talk and be like, man, did you did you know that? Did you see that? And then there's always one or two people who know or seen some stuff that's worse than the stuff that, that I show. And they get to talking. And then it verifies that I'm not up here making up stuff in, in, in a, a doctrine video and, and whatnot. But our lack of understanding of the nature of the people we're dealing with and what they will do naturally and what they're willing to do to keep us in the state that we're in and then beyond that, because now we move from oppression to genocide. There's no, there's no need to oppress anymore. They're just trying to, they don't need us. They don't need us. Cats have a term called useless eaters. As far as they're concerned, we're all <laughs> useless eaters. And they think that about some of their own, their quote unquote white brethren. Uh, brother uh, Desaline says, Big Bro is directly related to their belief that Yorubu is God. It's hard for them to accept it, cognitive dissonance. Indeed. And that's why, and uh, 777 like 311 said, uh, Asians seem to eat anything. Oh, absolutely. 
Oh, 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 yes. Yes. The Asian diet is as filthy as the European sexual appetite. And that those two things, those two things, you know, those two things are equivalent. Um, and Brother Dessaline says it goes back to their Catholic belief systems as why they can't accept the nature of their own enemies, right? And that's why you have to show them, like you have to show them documentation. You have to show them pictures of Yorubu doing stuff that shocks your mind. Like God don't lay up with animals. Oh my, you know, my brain's short now here. Um, and since Vanessa said she had an agent tell her that they would eat anything, yeah, yeah. I mean, we got the documentation, so it, no one they argue would debate that. So that's why when I see brothers, when I see brothers marrying agents i'm just i'm not gonna lie i'm confounded like you you with somebody that's physically man not even appealing compared to a black woman and then their diet is filthy so you over there eating cat rat and dog <laughs> or whatever's going on i mean with you know i mean you with your rugu you with that whatever man. that's what you want to do I don't even, you know, I don't even know what to say. I'm not even trying to, I'm not even trying to rescue those type of people anymore. My, being completely honest, if you do, if you do to that point where you want to lay with the enemy, I let somebody else try to try to bring you back. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not. I don't want to be bothered. But um, so really, that is the crux of what I wanted to get. Today, I wanted to give some documentation and some information and see if we could come to some conclusion about what's going on. I'm not 100% sure, but one thing we see is that the United States and the West, but specifically the United States, have a long um, history of disrupting and um, taking over and causing confusion in the country of Haiti, and we see why. Because this country, if Haiti could get their stuff together with the with the what had been hidden economic resources underneath their feet, and they practiced that revolutionary culture that they practiced before, it would be a game changer for the world. Because this is yeah, this is what I believe. I believe that we only need one stable race first cut black country on earth to spark a true revolutionary movement of unity of African people worldwide. We only need one. We literally need a Wakanda, not in the sense of the advanced technology, although that would absolutely be fantastic. That would be, we, yeah, we need that. But a, a sovereign African state of Black-minded people who have rejected Europeanism would be, is the key to us overthrowing this madness. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is that, that, and and avert this ongoing genocide that we are facing. 
Sister Farnessa says there are a lot of black male celebrities that are married to Asians. Blew me away. Yeah, when I saw uh, what's the name Jeezy was with that Asian chick. I I was you know because I'm like I thought y'all said this supposed to be some type of gangster dude or drug dealer or pimp or whatever he's supposed to be. Whatever he's supposed to be, him and that Asian broad, I I was confounded. You know, I was just like, but I understand that celebrities are paid to do the things that they do, that they do. And so, and there's a benefit to it. I was talking to, um, I was talking to a sister, I think yesterday, or well, I wasn't talking to her, but we were uh, messaging back and forth. And I had made a post on Instagram about uh, Nas, Nas, OG Nas and Lil Nas X and how Little Nas X, I mean, OG Nas had basically um, gave his blessings to Little Nas X. And I was telling her, I was like, Nas has done very well business-wise in the last few years. And I, I've come to the conclusion that it's, you know what I'm saying? He had made that deal with the devil, so to speak, co-signing this guy who's pushing homophilia on our children, right? Y'all, I mean, y'all seen the clip. Y'all seen the clip that I put up. Jeannie put it in his lecture. Little, little tiny children singing Little Nas X song. Uh, let's see. Sister Vanessa says, Dave Chappelle, right? Dave Chappelle. Um, uh, uh, Wesley Snipes, right? You know, when I saw Wesley Snipes, like Wesley Snipes used to, from my understanding, Wesley Snipes was connected with, um, I can't think of the organization, but he was connected with a, a black organization. The leader was doing something crazy that came down and the rest of the leader, according to them, the leader was dealing with um, pedophilia. I don't know 100 percent. But yeah, Wesley Snipes was connected with them and he called his film company Amin Ra Films. But then he's with he's with an Asian woman. And so it's crazy. And another thing that's happening too, underneath the surface there's a hat Asian connection that's going on that Brother Jeannie has more documentation and understanding of than I do myself. I have, uh, you know, I I haven't researched that. And Brother I Allen says, OG Nas already said in a song. Wait, what? <laughs> Man, what song was that, brother? Oh, yeah, nah, I ain't know nothing about that. Nah, oh, nah, yeah. Uh, and Brother Crow said Dr. York's group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Wesley Snipes had a connection with uh, Dr. York's group. Allegedly. I'm going to put allegedly, you know, just so I don't get sued. Um, and Unique One Express says, that's on the song, You're the Man. Now, as soon as I get out here, I got to go listen to You're the Man and try to figure out what in the world is going on. And Brother Dessaline says we need to hit Mortania. And I, I'll let y'all, I'll let y'all read that, you know. And I'm not disagreeing. Look, Brother Dessaline, look, I'm gonna be honest. Man, you be on it. The stuff you be saying, I ain't even gonna go through all of it. I don't even want because that stuff that we need to talk about in the back room. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you be on it. I I'm not arguing with you about nothing. I'm just I'm trying to figure out how to. Uh, implement some of the stuff you be saying. And oh, they saying it was an extra verse of, of you. Oh, that's why I never heard it. That's probably why he never put it out. 
Well, if that's the case, then yeah, he's saying that. Oh, okay, well that explains it. He's already he's already pledged allegiance, just like Jay Z has pledged allegiance. Allegiance, excuse me. And you know, you've seen Pizza Gate. You already know about Jay Z and uh, uh, what's her name, Beyonce. You know about their connection with um. I can't even think of I can't even think of the chick's name, but yeah, they all those people bought and paid for. Man. They got connections with people that's doing what basically are satanic rituals and and yeah they in bed with some horrible people but what was that last week i talked about celebrities the celebrity worship marina abramovich thank you uh unique one express indeed and um you can just google marina abramovich and, and uh spirit cooking you know all that stuff once you see it i don't have to explain it to you i don't i don't have to explain it to you at all i just when you see it, you just gonna, you know, just ask yourself, is this someone that black people should be hanging around with? And it, should I be supporting someone that's hanging around with these type of people? That, you know, that's a question you have to answer for yourself. And brother, I will, I will say that had me, um, brother oh yeah indeed brother brother crow indeed brother kush's black unifier said never trust an entertainer and i remember when he said it and then you know you know and i'll be honest we all all we all we live in this society we all have our favorite athlete rapper whoever <laughs> you know what i'm saying we all have one that we like but we have to understand it okay just enjoy that person on the field or the mic or whatever but understand that because this is the thing right and i'm gonna get over here shortly these people have more to lose than the average person so they're more indebted and more enslaved to the european because they got more money than us they have these people know their families um you know these people have all types of contracts and stuff these people some of these people have gone and done all types of rituals and pledged allegiance to these people so, yeah, these people are way more enslaved than the average person. The average person, you just give them some knowledge and they're free their mind. These people have the knowledge. Jay-Z, Nas, half of the half the New York rappers from back in the day was either pro-black or was 5% or something like that. They all know about this European. They all know. And they still pledge allegiance to them. So they are they are a very dangerous weapon against our people. This hat hop that's going on, this uh, 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 drill music and all this other stuff that got our children's head turned inside out and they shooting up each other. And the young rappers, they not lasting long enough to get famous and they killing each other or getting killed by somebody else who want to be famous for killing them. Uh, you need one express that Malcolm X. Yeah, Malcolm X. Malcolm X probably was the originator of telling us that ce celebrities are not leaders. You're talking about trumpet players and whatnot. He said they're not people aren't leaders. Like, show me where a trumpet player and a, a you know athlete or whatever the case is a leader in the white community. That's what Malcolm said. He, he's 100% right in his act. That and that's the one of the most damning things about our community is we have actual leaders from 
Malcolm X and, and, and um, Garvey and Amos Wilson and I mean, you name it, through the line, who are telling us stuff and warning us about stuff and have figured out the playbook and telling us what's going on and Dr. Wells and, and uh, um, what's Barbara name? Uh, uh, the one that broke down um, the system to her, uh, Nilly Fuller and so, so many people. And we still fall for the tricks and traps as a group, as a collective. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not us individually here, but as a collective, our people, we we fall for it. We bamboozled. You know what I'm saying? Malcolm X said, let us stray, run amok. When we led astray, it, it's more now, we're more led astray now by the Negro celebrities and other Negroes who are led by the European than we are necessarily by the European directly. They're the ones leading us astray. And we're following behind them to our own demise at this point. And they're willing, you know, they're willing to sell us out to, in essence, be killed last, <laughs> right? Because of the genocide, they can rid of everybody. You just be the last one. It's like when uh, that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where he told the guy, remember I promised I'd kill you last? The guy said, yeah, yeah, you did. And then he threw the guy over a cliff he, and told him I lied as he was flying down the cliff. That That's that's the European mentality. He'll tell you that. That's, then they'll still kill you. Or they, you know, arrange for you to have suicide or, any, you know, other types of weird stuff. Or maybe your whole family dies, but you live, Right? So that's the type of stuff these celebrities are facing. So how do we trust people who in that position? So again, I'm gonna make this announcement. Um, seventh annual Straight Black Pride Convention, the return of the black man. I had brother Michael Graves, Baba Olatunji Mwaba, brother Lewis Ali, and brother Darren Muhammad. Doors open at 2 p.m at E-Life Plant-Based Soul Food Restaurant, 9185 Central Avenue, Capitol Heights, Maryland, 20743. This is Saturday, August 21st, 2021. Doors, I mean, tickets are $25 at the door. Um, Excuse me, $25 on Eventbrite, $35 at the door. Seventh Annual Straight Black Pride Convention, and you, for more information, unity at straightblackpride.com. Um, and let's see. Our wonderful producer says, a celebrity that me and my ancestors, a.k.a. grandmother, uncle, grandpa, uh, my Ashby stars. Um, indeed. And 777-9311 says, my perspective is, quote unquote, conscious community is assuring the knowledge and educating our people at a rate similar faster than your rural culture and its minions. There's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. And I don't have a, I don't have um, the time to get into that. Um, there's a, I'll just say that there's a reason for that. And Unique One Express says, many are just an autopilot when it comes to falling for the same tricks that have been played and continue to be played on us. Power structure proves that many run with it. No question. Absolutely. Um, 
I said it before, brothers told me a long time ago. He said, the life of the oppressed is the life of the unthinking. And I always remember that with our people and I try to understand that. Um, one, the condition of our people, they've been put in that condition. Two, everybody's not going to make it. <laughs> just plain, just plain and simple. Everybody's not going to make it. At this point, me personally, I'm not saying everybody, me personally, I'm more interested in organizing those who know that I am uh, waking up the masses. If we can organize those who know and build something, it will be more it will be more attractive to the masses. Uh, but we are in a situation with this whole jab and everything that's going on where we have to take that to the people because if things are what we think they are, there won't be nobody here to organize um, except a small group of us who have resisted. So with that, brothers and sisters, I thank you all for listening. Don't forget to smash the like button, like, share, and subscribe to the channel. Thank everybody that has subscribed so far. Last time I looked, we were up to about 270 subscribers. If we can push that up to 300 by the end of the month, I greatly appreciate it. Again, my goal is to get to 1,000 before they end the, the, the channel. Shows like this don't help that, but hey, you know what it is. We got to do what we got to do to uh, bring this information to the people. Also, don't forget to check out the OTW2 page, and don't forget to check out um, tomorrow's video, Tuesday's video, there should also be another video coming out on Wednesday and Thursday. Again, I thank you all for your support. I I believe, Brother Desaline, I think you just hit, uh, hit me off in the cash app. Again, I, pe I appreciate that, Brother. So, um, and Brother, remind me, Brother, um, you got ripped off. Remind me, put the link when I find it into the description for this. And... There should be a commercial coming up for the convention sometime this week. So that will pop up on the page and also on the Instagram or whatever. So again, I thank you all for listening. Thank you all for subscribing. Thank you all for sharing, doing what you do. Thank you all for the cash apps and the donations and everything, because I'll be honest, would not be able to do this without you. And with that, I say a BB for ODA and straight Black pride. Look it up. Flawed individual. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Dang. Cindy Ashley On the wake up. Hey, Yurima Karama here with a quick infomercial, and I have a question for you. Are you tired of social media outlets that block real content? I mean, are you tired of your favorite internet truth teller getting blocked or put in Fedbook jail? Tired of making a comment and the algorithm quickly deems your comment to be offensive and takes it down? I mean, are you tired of making a post and a fact check pops up, making it look like your info isn't accurate, and then it turns out that the fact check is actually the lie? Are you tired of seeing white people get by with racist commentary or post and they never get blocked, but unapologetically black truth tellers are always having their videos taken down?
Tired of having to wait a month or seven days or 14 days for your favorite social media truth teller to get their page back up because white-owned social media outlet owners take their content down whenever they feel like it? Tired of black people getting on white-owned social media outlets and finding out that the outlet is making billions of dollars, but you don't get one red cent of that money? Well, if you're really tired, then you should do as I did and make the switch. Yeah. Come on over to otwtube.com where your content and comments are actually accepted. Also, get the Eurema Karam app where you can stay up to date on real truth that lamestream media intentionally hides from you. Come on over to sites that accept you being unapologetically black. I mean, come on over to sites that love you being free to express yourself. This is why I took my aboriginal indigenous melanated ass on over to OTWTube, because I recognize the importance of freedom of speech. I recognize that I would be doing my ancestors a tremendous disservice if I stayed a slave on social media outlets that want to dictate what I say and when I can actually say it. If you're tired like I am, then make the switch now to OTWTube.com and get the Yurima Karama app. Tap into the truth, because that's what you deserve. I am Yurima Karama, and I approve this message.